You're listening to the Island Church Podcast. If you'd like more information or to donate to this ministry, visit islandchurch.tv. The Gospel of John. John is Jesus' best friend. He gives us some insights that we don't find in any of the other Gospels. It's an amazing, amazing book, and we're walking through this verse by verse, and every Sunday, I feel like it's fresh, it's just right where we're at, and exactly what we need. Now, in the book of John, there are seven I am statements. He says, we've looked at, I am the bread uh, of life, I'm the bread from heaven, I am the light of the world. Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at I am the gate or the door for the sheep. And this morning, we're looking at I am the good shepherd. So what's so good about the good shepherd? Well, let's walk through this. If you're following online, uh, you can uh, grab the notes there or if you're writing them down. The first thing I want you to see is this, is the good shepherd knows his sheep. And we really talked in depth, I'm not gonna park here long, a couple of weeks ago about this. But if you have a pet, you understand how a person and an animal can have a bonding relationship. We've had, Liz and I and the kids, we've had two dogs and, and both of them have passed. And oh Lord, it's a horrible experience. I, never, I used to laugh at people when their dog died and they cried and carried on. I had an old dog growing up, and that dog lived to be 18, 19 years old. And when he passed on, I knew it was time. I missed him. His name was Flip, and he was a great dog. But man, when we got two dogs and they stayed in the house, I never thought I'd have a dog in the house. And that's what a wife and kids will do for you. So we had two of them. And uh, it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was an awesome, awesome experience. But there was a, there was a bond, and they, they became, you know, I was daddy to them, and they loved to sit on my lap and all, all those things. Well, we know this. We know that the shepherd bonds with his sheep. And we're paralleling this. Now, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, and we are the sheep. The sheep of his pasture is what Psalm 100 says. And so the shepherd knows his sheep by their names. A couple weeks ago, I talked to you about calves that I raised and how I had them all, all named. And so the shepherd knows the sheep's name. He knows our name. Now, when, you, we, when we think about a shepherd, you've got to think about more than wool. Excuse me. You've got to think more about wool than you do Lamb chops, all right? We're thinking wool, not lamb chops. Because if a shepherd's just simply there for the lamb chops, he's not really a shepherd, what is he? He's a butcher. And really that's what religion is. Religion's harsh and hard, but Jesus is a good shepherd. The shepherd raised the sheep for their valuable wool, not for the mutton. You know, farmers don't tend to name the animals on the farm. Why? Because they know they're going to end up on the dinner table. I uh, read a story about a farmer, and he bought a couple turkeys, and he put, put a pen out behind the house, and he was fattening them up for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. Well, the kids got involved. 
And when the kids got involved, they'd hear the turkeys gobbling. They'd go out and feed them. They even named the turkeys. They named them Ike and Tina Turkey. Well, guess what? Ike and Tina never ended up on a menu. I read about another farmer and he, he had three steers and he separated, them. he separated them from the herd and he named his three steers ribeye, T-bone, and roast. And you know where they ended up. See, the shepherd knows his sheep. He knows their name. I um, grew up in a small church, country church, and it was real small when I was a kid, probably 75, 80 people. If we had 100, 120 on Easter, it was a big day. And uh, I knew everyone's name. Grew up in a small town. I knew practically everyone in town. And uh, just, it just came natural. I'll tell you, our church is growing so rapidly. I tell people, if you will help me, just tell me your name one more time. Or when you introduce yourself to me, just say, hey, pastor, my name is, and I will eventually get it because I want to call everyone by name. There's something about it. I, I do that all the time. I'll, inter- I'll say hello to someone. I'll say, my name's Fred. And they'll say, I know who you are. I know you're Pastor Fred, but I just want to help them. But there's nothing in the world like being called by our name. God calls us by our name. Amen? The most glorious fact in the universe is that there is a God who wants to have a relationship with each one of us. He calls us by name. It's individual. You've heard me say, the old hymn goes, there's a new name written down in glory. It's not a new number. It's a new name. He knows us. Now, I'll talk about this more at the end, but let me just briefly say this. He cares for you. He knows you. He knows the heaviness of your heart. He knows the discouragement. He's concerned. He's mindful. He brought you here today, and he wants to to encourage you. This message is for you this morning, and he wants to help you walk through this, what might seem like the valley of the shadow of death. He knows you. There's nothing hidden from him. He knows what you did last night, what you did yesterday. He knows what you watched last night. He knows what's going on in your mind. The devil doesn't, but God does. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And so he knows you. He knows you inside and out. Here's the second thing, and we'll come back to that. Not only does he know you, but he cares for his sheep. And he identifies three individuals who deals, deals with sheep. He talks about the thief, the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Thief is a metaphor for Satan. Then he mentions the hired hand. And Jesus said the hired hand's not the shepherd. He doesn't really care about the sheep. What's he talking about? He's talking about religious leaders. They claim to care, but they didn't care. They were full of rules and regulations. They were butchers. They weren't into caring and relationship and fellowship and nurturing. They were into their own status. They were into 
themselves. Talks about hired hands. Hired hand is someone who's really the lowest of the low. They're not a shepherd. They're the lowest on the ladder. And those hired hands, they're not there to protect the sheep. In fact, if something were to come against the sheep, they would spare their own lives rather than, than to defend the, the sheep. And then he talks about how he, he contrasts this to how he is the good shepherd and how he will lay down his life to protect the sheep. He cared for the sheep enough to fight for their survival. You see, listen, the Bible says, it's not in your notes, you might wanna jot it down, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. It says, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. You see, he cares for you because he paid the price for you. And yet there are people who will say, well, it's my life, I'll live it however I please. You don't understand the shepherd. You don't understand God's chain of command and how, how he has authority over us because, because, what, to lord it over us? No, because he, what, cares for us. I grew up, my dad made this statement. As long as you live in my house. Anybody ever hear that? But you know what my dad was saying? I care for you. And I'm setting parameters for you because God's holding me responsible for raising you in the fear and admonition of God. And so as long as you're in my house, every morning we're gonna read the Bible together. And I never left for school. When my dad was home, and he was home most mornings when I left, I never left for school without my dad laying hands on me and praying for me. As long as you're in my house, we're gonna be at church. And that means if you have to leave football practice early on Wednesday night, you're gonna leave football practice early because you're not missing church. And if that means you're missing a double header on a Sunday afternoon, you're missing the last part of that double header because you're gonna get your tail in church. And as long as you're in my house, and that's the way it worked. But it wasn't that he was lording it over me. He cared so much. He was doing everything to shepherd me along. You see what I'm saying? I, uh, I worked for, for pastors. I was youth pastor. A couple of churches. I was the district youth director over the state of Illinois and worked for the bishop, the overseer of the state. And, and, and the pastors I worked for and the bishop I worked for, they would say, Fred, this, this is the way we're going to do this. This is what I want you to do as a youth pastor. This is what we're going to do. It wasn't that I was gonna have my own vision. I had to have the pastor's vision of what was gonna happen because he saw things, he, he saw a bigger picture than what I saw. What was he doing? He was caring for me. He was helping grow me into being a pastor and he was caring for the flock. He cared. See, God set this up. We turn around and rebel and say, well, bless God, I'll live however I want to live. You know what that is? That's rebellion. You're rebellious. 
You're living outside. You don't understand he's a good shepherd and he has a plan. He set parameters. He's, 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 he's leading us in a way so we'll flourish, but we want to go our own way. You see what I'm saying? Oh, he's a good shepherd. Here's why. He cares enough to keep pulling me in. Somebody say amen. My dad cared enough to keep pulling. I had pastors that cared enough that kept shepherding me along. There's something so awesome. He cares. He cares so much that there's been times in my life that he has pulled the reins tight and said, stop, boy. Stop now. And here's what he was doing. He was making me. What does the Bible say in Psalm 23 and verse two? He makes me. I didn't want to. I want to go. But he, nope, he makes me. What is that? He's caring for me. He's caring for me. Folks, surrender. Let him be the shepherd. Here's why. He knows more than you know. He cares for you. Somebody say big amen to that. Amen. He cares for us. Here's the third thing that I want us to see this morning is he seeks. He seeks the good shepherd. He's a good shepherd because he seeks his sheep. This is a fascinating passage right here. John 10 verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Whoa. Where are the, where are the other sheep? Who are the other sheep? I have other sheep. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, that verse is a source of a lot of different interpretations. He's talking about bringing other sheep into the fold. There are some people, this is true what I'm about to tell you. Listen close. I always tell you the truth, but I'm telling this is truth because you're going to think, that's crazy, but people believe this. People believe that the other sheep are people living on other planets. And since the earth is one small planet in the solar system, and, and this, this solar system, we're, we're part of the, this galaxy, the Milky Way, and we're just one galaxy among thousands of galaxies, there's a very high probability that there are other planets and universe, uh, 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 other planets in the universe out there where life exists. And Jesus, Jesus here isn't talking about aliens, but people think he is talking about aliens. And they look as the lost sheep or these other sheep rather as, as aliens. The Mormons really camp out on this verse in the Book of Mormon, Joseph John, uh, Joseph, Joseph Smith claimed that Jesus appeared to the natives in North America after he was crucified and resurrected. He ordained Nephi and 11 other men to be apostles. The Nephites would be the first Mormons, so they teach that the other sheep Jesus is referring to here are native North Americans and all the Mormons. But the truth, the truth, it's obvious, isn't it? The truth he's talking about, it's not these extraterrestrials, it's not the Mormons, but he's talking about us. He's talking about Gentiles, 
Man, I'm glad he included us, aren't you? Amen. He's talking about, about the Gentiles. I have other sheep. You know, there were times that Jesus, he'd say, well, how, how, you want me to, to cast bread before swine? Talking to the Gentile, but because of, because of her faith, the message Jesus came to the Jews. But he also saw faith in some Gentiles. The disciples understood this was for them. But when Jesus, Jesus ascended to heaven, his last words were, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be a witness. They didn't get it. They got filled with the Spirit, but they didn't get it. Peter struggled with, man, taking this to Gentiles. Thank God Paul comes along and thank God that Peter ended up getting it as well. See, uh, Matthew 15, 24 Jesus said, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There were Jews that accepted Jesus, but the nation of Israel rejected him. John 1.11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But then Paul gives us the insight in Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. See, past, past it was only the Jews. But now it's been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And here it is. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. See, Jesus predicted that there would be a day, one flock, one shepherd. And we read in the book of Revelation, I put it in your notes. I'll not take time to read it. It's rather lengthy. But in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, it says that, that there was a multitude no one could na uh, number, every nation, all the tribes of people, languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb of God, clothed in white ro robes with palm branches and, 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 he, and, and declaring salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. I love that every tribe, every tongue, every nation. He came to, to break down the walls. He came so that the whole world might be saved. Today, over 2 billion people claim Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life. Thank you, God, that you came for the whole world. Let me tell you about this good shepherd. He gives a parable in Luke chapter 15 and he talks about the shepherd who has 100 sheep, but one strays off. What does the shepherd do? He leaves those 99 in safety to go after the one. And he finds it and he picks it up and he brings it back. Amen? I am thankful. I'm thankful. He left. 
The house of Israel, he's safe. He's for them. He's reaching out to them. But I'm thankful that somehow that gospel message got out of Jerusalem, got out of the upper room, and eventually to the then known world, eventually got across the pond, came across the United States to Missouri, to a little town in southern Missouri, Granby, Missouri, to a little church called Silver Moon Church. And on a Sunday night, a message preached, and Jesus tugged at my heart, and I made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen? Thank God that message got out, and it's for all of us. It's for people. That lost one is one in Beijing or Moscow or Baghdad or Tehran, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. How about Orange Beach? Amen? I'm thankful the gospel, Jesus is alive. The gospel is alive. It's the power of God into salvation. Here's what I know. I know that in Iran, it is the fastest growing Christian church in the world. In October, an article came out that the underground church in Iran is spreading like wildfire. Christians in Iran aren't making converts, they're making disciples. The intelligence minister of Iran gave a speech not too long ago about the troubling rise of Christianity in Iran and 60% of the disciple makers happen to be women. How about that? We think, man, that's all just a bunch of terrorists. No, God's moving. You pray, we pray, we stand. We're all those throughout that 1040 window in the Middle East. Amen? God is at work. Here's what I believe. We get to heaven. We're going to be amazed. We think we're a Christian nation and we think we're all that. We're going to be the minority in heaven. Do you know that? Do you know America will be the minority to the multitude, billions of people that name the name of Jesus? But we will all gather together and worship God and praise God and do heaven's command and work. There will be one flock and one shepherd, it'll all revolve around Jesus. Amen. Here's the last thing. I've got the close. I've got to hustle through this. Here it is. He's the good shepherd because he saves his sheep. He saves his sheep. He knows us. He cares for us. He seeks us. But most importantly, he's willing to die. It says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In verse 18, he said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own, of my own accord. He lays down his life. Before, before David became king, he was a shepherd. I put the scripture in your notes. It's 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36 where David stands before Saul and he's trying to get permission to go out and fight Goliath. And he tells Goliath, he says, listen, I'm a, I was a shepherd. I took care of sheep and there was a lion and there was a bear. And I, I ripped those things apart. And I took that, I took that lamb out of, their, out of their mouth. Verse 36 says, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. He was willing to fight he was, he was a mighty warrior, but before a mighty warrior, he was a shepherd who was willing to die for his sheep. But here, here, catch this. 
He didn't have to die for his flock. Jesus was called the son of David, and he did die to save his sheep. He did die for us. We've been studying this, this book, and, and we find on various occasions where they get mad at him. You read it. We read it today where they thought he was crazy. And a little bit later in this chapter, they're ready to stone him, and he just kind of makes his way. Earlier in chapter 8, they, they said he was blaspheming, and they were ready to kill him, but the Bible says that he eluded them. See, Jesus knew he was going to die, but he also knew the time and place. He was in complete control. He said, he said I'm going to lay my life down. No man takes it from me. See, they couldn't kill him until he was ready to lay his life down. Get this. Jesus wasn't some martyr who was killed for a cause. He is the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. He would go to the cross understanding and being in control of his destiny. He chose to be crucified at the Passover time so he could be the Passover lamb who shields us from the eternal punishment for our sins. He claimed to have the authority to lay down his life. He also claimed to have the authority to pick it up again. What was he talking about? He was speaking of his resurrection. There are those of us in this room. Listen, if something were to come against Liz or to come against my kids or to come against my grandkids, I would give my life for them. But I wouldn't be able to pick my life up again. Uh, I, have, I know a man fairly well. Uh, he, was a, he was the um, national men's director uh, for the Assemblies of God uh, for years. And, and I had him speak for us in California and do a, a men's conference. And uh, previous to him going into ministry, he was a part of the Secret Service. And he was, he was part of the detail that protected President Reagan. And he talked about this. He said, he said when gunfire would happen, President, when President got shot, when gunfire they taught us, they taught us to stand up. When we hear gunfire, if we were in a situation, we'd duck, we'd go small. But he said, they teach us, you go big, you get big, and, and you get big in front of the president. You're taking the bullet for the president. Secret Service can take a bullet for the president, they can die for the president, but they can't raise themselves up. But... Jesus did. Amen. See, the power of this gospel is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and he validates everything he said and everything he did. Without the resurrection, there is no New Testament church and there is absolutely no hope for our life. Amen. Let's, that's why, that's why we preach the gospel if you don't like the Bible, you're not going to like this church. If you don't like worship, you're not going to like this church. We're preaching through this Bible, verse by verse. We believe that God's word is the foundation, that Jesus is radically balanced, that he can do anything, yet we base our life off his teachings. 
God's word is alive. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Any church that ain't preaching the Bible, the, the, the cross, the resurrection, there's no life. Listen, you don't get saved by good works. You don't get saved by being a, a member of a church. You get saved when you surrender your life to the Lord, be in control. Lord Jesus. Amen? I believe it. I know it. He voluntarily gave his life, followed by a victorious resurrection. Again, validating all that he ever did. Let me close. He knows you. He knows the pain you're going through. He knows the pain of your kids. They're wondering. He knows the struggle and the pain of your life emotionally. He knows the pain and struggle that can happen in a marriage. He knows you. You're here this morning. He's a good shepherd. He knows, and here's the good news. He cares. He doesn't just know it, but he cares. He comes along beside you. He doesn't leave you comfortless. He's with you when you feel him and when you don't. He's a good shepherd, and he'll lead you and guide you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen? He seeks us. We get off. We, get, we stray. He brings us back, and here it is. He came to save us. The greatest miracle in all the world. See, the way for him to be your good shepherd is to say yes to his invitation. He stands at the door and knocks. If anyone will open up, he'll come in. He doesn't force himself on you. But I'm telling you, the best, best and greatest decision you'll ever, the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life is are you gonna surrender your life to God? When you stand before God, he's not gonna ask. He's not gonna ask, are you Methodist? Are you Lutheran? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Baptist? You've heard me say this before. I ask someone if they know the Lord, they say I'm Baptist. There's more Baptists than there are people in this area. He's not gonna ask if you're Catholic, charismatic, Pentecostal. When you stand before God, all your labels don't mean a thing. What's gonna matter, do you know Jesus? Do you know the good shepherd? He knows you. Have you given him your life? Thanks for listening to the Island Church Podcast. For more information, visit islandchurch.tv.